You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Thank you all so much for coming. Um, are, we, are we beginning the recording? Yeah, we started. We've we started. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm here. I'm present. I'm present. Hello, everyone. My name is Ivan E. Debery. And I'm Eric Borlaug, and welcome to another episode of The Parsnip Ship. Uh, this is our 10th episode, which is exciting for us. We've now been doing this, uh, we've been releasing episodes since February, but we started last summer, so it's really exciting to reach our first like benchmark, so that's very cool. Um. <laughs> uh, so uh, tonight, like Eric mentioned, we are in Cloud City in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Tonight we will be hearing The Veils, by Hope Villanueva. Yeah, guys, you can share. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's right there. <laughs> and she like, she just rushed up from DC and got in. There were like train delays. She like traveled through this crazy wind that we're having. So um, we're really honored that woo, she's woo, here with woo, us woo. tonight. Um. And we like to begin by asking our playwrights uh, a question, and it's a super easy one. Uh, it's, um, <laughs> what would the world be missing if it didn't have this play? And they lie because that's an incredibly hard question. Um, I think in our current entertainment climate, you know, we're starting to see more and more the quote-unquote strong female character. Like, you've got, you know, the chick action hero, you know, that's this badass and can shoot people. And we've sort of, for a long time, had the you know, softer side of femininity in entertainment. But I think we're just breaking into being able to see women as a whole person. Someone who is badass and has weaknesses and has foibles and has strengths and, and, and is all the things that makes a complete human. Um, and I hope that this play contributes to that. Woo! Oh, that's awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah that's great. That's amazing. Uh, so thank you, Hope. Um, right now, we'd like to take um, to take the time to welcome our musical guest for the evening, Allison Strong. Woo! Um, and let's begin. All right. Telling stories on the couch New hypotheses, songs for symphonies You grab the strands of hair strung gently on my neck Oh, the glories of your mouth Long before I ever stole it So I listen patient, head down on your lap No Trapped or here, don't leave me on the road. No, don't go. You're the piece of home I'd like to call my own. Counting tears since I've been back there, pulled my lonely off the shelf. Said if they can't help me, I'll just help myself. 
when it's light out I work hardest till my soul's become the ground but the darkness comes and all I want is out no don't go I'm a traveler here don't leave me on The Veils by Hope Villanueva. My name is Bob Dehane, and I am reading the role of the father and the commanding officer. I am Anna Savant, and I will be playing Wendy the mother. I'm Rebecca Carmichael, and I am playing Mel. My name is Megan Pam, and I'll be reading the stage directions. I'm Stephanie Lavadera, and I'm reading the role of Harriet. My name is Jelani Aladdin, and I'll be reading the role of Vargas. I am Rod Singleton. I am reading the role Stitch. Act 1, Scene 1. Wind in the desert. Too many things in Mel's mind at the same time. Her friends. The voice of her father. She is in the middle of it and not there at all. My little girl, you could change the world. Go long! You know that? You ain't got the arm. You don't you? Go long! Boom! <laughs> Vargas bounds on stage. From the minute I first held you. Come on, Garza. I need some backup! Your little palms between my hands, I knew. Get up! You were like me. Come on! You are like me. Water drips from the sky. It echoes with a sound that warps time and space. Stitch tilts his head up. Vargas wipes a drop from his face. We were meant to fly. If something needs to fly... Rain? Stopping it is a crime. What the... I wish I could fly with you. Water drips grow louder. There is something very wrong. Fly over the water. Garza. We've got to go now. Fly over the sand. She's not listening. Garza, get up. Anywhere. Garza. We have to move. Get up. Just go. Explosion. Mel. Mel is awake, having leapt from sleep to fully standing. 
The guys and water sounds are suddenly gone. Dawn. Mel finds herself in the living room of her mother's house. There is a door that leads to the kitchen as well as the front door. It is August 2008. Mel wears a U.S. Marine's t-shirt and shorts. On the table nearby, there is a stack of bridal magazines. She's made a mess of the pillows and blankets. She finds her cell phone and dials Doug, her fiancé. Doug, it's me. It's 5.15 a.m. Shit, the time change. I'm sorry. There was yelling and I want to sleep. Why can't I just sleep without? I'm so tired. Okay. Dog, I forgot about the deadline tomorrow. Hey, I'll let you go. You know, I'd, I know you don't care if I call early. Doug, I care. You need your sleep too. Okay. I'm sorry, I, I'll stop apologizing. <laughs> okay, I'm laying back down. You're the only one I can talk to. Come on, please. <laughs> I totally want to hear what you're working on. Read it to me. As she listens, she finally relaxes and dozes back off with the phone in her hand. Morning is bright and forceful. A wireless speaker in the living room kicks on, blaring something high energy. Mel takes a magazine and tries throwing it at the speaker in frustration. Fail. She gets up and turns it off. Harmony, Mel's older sister, enters from the kitchen, fully dressed for the day and drinking a mimosa. That was a good song. I thought I was alone down here. What about mom? It's Saturday, hot yoga and brunch. That's what you think. She's got this group and they have squad goals or something. Want a mimosa? Mm, how about coffee? Sunshine in a glass? Coffee. Harmony bounces back into the kitchen. Mel talks to her through the wall. Doesn't mom run the air conditioner anymore? Not at night. The electric bell was getting stupid. I just can't. What is it about August? Mel sets down a magazine and flops on the couch. How could you forget? I can't wear my hair down again until October. I wish I could spend the entire summer lying in a pool of sangria. You can't really want coffee in this weather. Harmony hands Mel the mug. Mel takes a big swig and recoils. I thought you needed a mimosa. Yeah, that's why I asked for coffee. It's gotta be happy hour in Europe or someplace. Oh, Mel, it's dress shopping day! This is gonna be great. Drink, relax, I'm sure Mom's having one. Hungry? I don't eat breakfast, but I- I'll forage. Mel heads into the kitchen. Harmony regroups and hollers at her through the door. So, I have like three seasons of Say Yes to the Dress on DVR. I wanted to get started on research. Are we writing a dissertation? The worst thing you can do is show up at the dress place having no idea what you want. I've got the magazines over there. I saw. I did Google searches and saved images on my iPad. I figured we can go through them together and narrow them down. I think focusing on the dress is really the way to go. It really determines what the tone of the rest of the wedding is. Mel reappears in the doorway. Here, look at these. Harmony pulls a specific magazine and finds a page she's marked with a post-it note. Harmony sees the blank look on Mel's face but keeps trying. This cut gives you a terrific line. It'll make you look taller. Have you given this any thought at all? I told Doug yes. You know there's an event? You have to wear a dress and you have to have your hair done and dance? I don't dance. You're going to. Maybe we'll elope. You will not. Mom will kill you. Daddy would have... And Doug wants a wedding. 
Maybe he wants to hop a plane to Niagara Falls. That's for honeymoons. Besides, he's too old-fashioned. We're talking about a grown man who reads children's books. Doug's an editor. The people, the food, the band, the ceremony, tradition. This is a hostile takeover. <laughs> Pretty much. Now, address. Harmony plants a finger on a magazine page. They turn pages. Mel is overwhelmed. Maybe I do need a drink. Harmony chuckles and heads back into the kitchen. Mel pulls back her hair and tries to focus on the dresses. Harmony. Huh? <laughs> these are so expensive! Have you seen these prices? Mel comes across something particularly repugnant. Harmony re-enters with half a bagel on a plate. She gives it to Mel. Find anything? I was... There's just so much. Isn't it great? I'm not going to spend... 9,899 on this. Oh, that's a good deal. The front door opens and Wendy, their mother's and their mother, enters in workout slash brunch gear. She carries a small shopping bag. And who's going to pay for this? I imagine it's going to be me. Hi, Mom. Morning. How is brunch? They burn the coffee. Good otherwise, this new cafe is the best. It's only been open for about a month or two, but it's right next to Yoga Center. I'm just introducing Mel to the glory of wedding dress shopping. Do I need to separate you two yet? Not yet. Have you seen some of these? Sure I have. We should head out pretty quick. I don't want to be late for the appointment. Are you going in wearing that? No. Well, we should get moving. You brought heels from home for the fitting, right? She totally didn't. I reminded you. I don't have any. I just don't. What do you wear with skirts? Flats. I have something. And I picked up these on my way home, as requested. Wendy pulls out a package and gives it to Mel, who opens the package and pulls out the contents. Oh, good. What is this? Spanx. Excuse me? For today and the wedding, obviously. All my friends have them. You put them on under your dress. I know how they work. Look, I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. I don't think I need... Yes, yes you do. Aren't I supposed to be happy on my wedding day? Happiness requires oxygen. Really? They were on sale. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna clean up. I'm gonna shower too. Tick tock. Mel exits. Wendy starts munching on the remainder of Mel's bagel. Mom. Ew. If I don't already have both my daughter's germs, how's the morning? What time did she get in last night? Almost midnight. Doing what? She was out, Mom. I don't know. Of course they know. She only had like five days out in Trenton with Doug before she had to turn around and come here. She's been home since night before last. If she wants to go out, she's gonna go out, Mom. The husband fine without you this weekend? Mom, really? I'm not worried. I know it's just across town. These aren't that little anymore, Mom. I never knew what I would come home to when I left you with your father. Plans will be at soccer stuff all weekend, and Lily can handle herself pretty much. They are almost complete humans. All Ben has to do is feed them, lock them in at night, and try not to burn the house down. I am a free woman for 36 hours. That's good. They have time together to run around or whatever. Without me. You know what I mean. Sure. I know you have a checklist, some online something, pin board, or Insta tweet, or Separated by category. Should be a piece of cake. Does Mel know she has to pick cake? You make her out to be some uncivilized animal. There are things to be done, and she's lucky that I'm here to help. I know she's a tomboy. 
I thought this might be different. I thought she'd come back from overseas and he'd do sister things. We'd go to menu tastings and shop and... Mom, this is supposed to be... We're supposed to have fun. All the girls. I'm having fun? My daughter's getting married. I'm absolutely having fun. Wendy exits. Upstairs, Mel turns on the water to fill the tub. The running water rattles her as she braces herself. After a moment, it's too much. She turns off the water and she pulls out some wipes and begins to clean herself up. The dripping sound continues after the water is off. She opens cabinets under the sink where she finds a small cardboard box. She puts it on the counter, peers inside. Fly over the water. Hey, translator girl. Fly. Throw it. She closes the box again, takes a deep breath. Harmony tidies up the living room, folding blankets and stacking magazines. She gets up and finds the spreadsheet she indeed has printed for the weekend. She focuses on that. Wendy enters, dressed casually, but put together. I knew there was a spreadsheet. Remember the charts I had for Daddy's medications? Excel is my life. We had those labeled pill boxes. That's so analog. Well, Harmony. Mom. Be nice. I am. I mean, at this appointment, be nice to your sister. Why would I? You know what I mean. I can see it in your face. Mel enters. She's still dressed quite sloppily and is pulling a comb through her hair. You're not wearing the Spanx. How do you even know that? You need them. On my wedding, yes, but not today. I'm, I'm sure you think I'm being ridiculous about this. Harmony. You'd be glad we pushed you. When you look back, you want it to have been done right. Sure. Fine. <laughs> Mom, I think there's something up with the plumbing. Oh? I was hearing something uh, dripping. You should have someone look at the pipes. And I found... She won't put on the Spanx. I don't need them. But you're bringing them? She'll wear them. You need to wear as many of the items you wear on the day of the ceremony as possible. I don't know what items I'm going to wear. You wear Spanx. Hair half up. I think a mid-length veil. Earrings and grandma's pearl necklace. Sensible three-inch heel. I don't wear one-inch heels. I could have planned better if you had responded to the email I sent you. Mel begins to hear the dripping sound again. No one else hears it. That. You could have answered. What? Weddings are overwhelming. Uh, do you hear that? Harmony's got a head for planning. Melody? Mel snaps back but has nothing to say. Dripping continues. I'm gonna start the AC in the car. Wendy exits. You didn't give me anything to go on, Mel. Fine. Sorry. A honk from the car outside. Let's get this over with. Harmony starts for the door, then whips around, going up the stairs instead. She returns with a shoebox and rushes out the door. Shoes! Harmony is gone again. The dripping grows, and Mel shakes until... Act 1, Scene 2. Suddenly, a mid-sized military base in Afghanistan, as Mel remembers it. It's downtime outside one of the buildings. The sun is setting, and two Marines are tossing a football back and forth. A stereo plays Elvis tunes. Ooh, go long. You ain't got the arm. Go. Didn't Danny ever play football? Go long. Throw like a pole. I ain't no pole. You ain't got the arm. Run, shithead. Stitch gets some distance, and nearby, Mel enters carrying a small sack. You're never, you'll never get him. Shut up. Vargas lets the ball fly and is way off. Oh, I Stitch can't. has to chase it down. I can't concentrate when you're talking to me. Nope. You just don't have the arm. Stitch pads back in with the ball. Where were you? Had a bite. Dinner with the Afghanis a regular thing now? Hot date, Sergeant. <laughs> if you consider tea with nine-year-old boys and their mother a hot date, 
Here. She opens up her sack and pulls out a pack of cigarettes for each of the guys. How do you do that? She's a translator. Easier to bargain if you speak the language, Lance Corporal. I have to learn desert speak. It's called Farsi. It helps if you're not a dick, too. Stitch, they would love me. They would take me in and make me their ruler. Right. <laughs> Vargas lights up a cigarette and Stitch pockets his pack. Stitch picks up the football. You up? The evening checks all locked and loaded. The Humvee straight. Would we be tossing the ball if we had Even I know better than that. At ease, men. At ease. Let's go. <laughs> Mel throws her sack aside and she and Stitch start tossing the ball back and forth lightly. So, I heard something today. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Our translator girl is getting married. Yeah? Cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you don't wear a ring. I do not. Not out here. That shit is expensive. Truth. <laughs> if I lost that, fuck, man. I left it back home with my mom, safe and sound in a prissy little velvet box. I got engaged a couple of times. Oh, yeah? How'd that go? I still ain't married. <laughs> Stitch throws Mel the ball with some extra force. They continue throwing throughout. Hey, I'm a solid guy, right? Oh, yeah. I'm respectable, educated, mm. got personal hygiene. Uh-huh. Great hair. Fantastic taste in music. If you don't mind blue suede shoes on a loop. Have some respect. That is the king. <laughs> Sorry, your highness. Elvis. All the fucking time, the Stitch. <laughs> it's alright. If you're a 75-year-old grandpa. I don't get no respect. No respect! What the fuck is that? Come on. Rodney Dangerfield? Easy Money? Caddyshack? Oh, you are both fucking useless. Isn't this way before our time? Some things are timeless. They continue playing. The ball flies and both Vargas and Mel go for it, colliding. Mel is knocked down. Uh, Damn, Vargas. Shit. Sorry, Sergeant. I'm good. Look, I didn't mean to- I'm good. <laughs> Look at his face. Shit, Vargas. I'm not gonna break, alright? Yeah, but- I Mel manages from the ground to knock Vargas back into the dirt. She pops up. Stitch gathers the football. We're cool. Okay? Okay. Check that! Another desert sunset on forward operating base Delphi. <sighs> yeah. What I wouldn't give for a good camera. Oh yeah? I can't get any decent shots with this digital Vivicam I bought. It's like your ring. That shit is expensive. It's just the sunset. <laughs> that is why you're still single. When we get leave, I'm ordering a new camera. I've been specking out this Canon EOS Rebel T6i for months. And this set of lenses, oh, yes. Oh, yeah? <laughs> if you don't have a high quality lens um, and enough variety, your shots will be bullshit. And the aperture control, it's the light. Your eyes change up by themselves. It's goddamn evolution. Thanks, Corporal Darwin. Stitch nails him with the football. The human I, I mean, no camera will ever be able to give the complete, perfect, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, look at the sunset. I see the sand on my feet and, and the sand on the hill and the sandy colored sky. My eyes can fly across all that shit at once and see every shade of orange. Cameras are just posing. But the sweet little thing I'm looking at will destroy that piece of shit under my rack. <laughs> How much you dropping? 
$649.99. Why wait? For what? If you got the cash, just do it. Everything's digital now. The sooner you get it, the sooner you get good with it, right? Yeah. $650. Bucks. That's more than I ever spent on the engagement ring. Uh, that's why you're still single. Got it. <laughs> Who's got the movie tonight? I can find out. The caster had it set up last night. Uh, you know I can't go into your barracks. They're doing it, the projector in the chow hall. Uh, cool. <laughs> Vargas lights up another cigarette as he watches the sunset. Those will kill you. Vargas takes a deep inhale and blows rings. Probably. Seriously. But you keep bringing them back. <laughs> well, Vargas asks so nicely. I wish you could bring back a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Enough of that to kill me too. The sun will give me cancer. Soda will give me cancer. These smokes will give me cancer. Something will kill me in the end. Might as well be something I like. <laughs> hey, I'm romantic. Stitch. No. The ladies love me. Have you seen you in a bar? I'm approachable. <laughs> uh-huh. I have game. You'd marry me, right? Uh, sorry, taken. Yup. No respect. A horn sounds, an alarm. Ugh. I hate that thing. 2100 siren test. Fucking waste of time if you ask me. Gotta make sure it works. We ain't gonna get hit. Not here. Totally. I think the CEO's like doing this just to fuck with us. Set that off and stress us out. Nothing's gonna happen on base. Part of the deal, man. Chill. Mel parks and opens a bottle of water. In a moment, the test siren stops. Fuck. Hey, movie night, right? Sound good? If the movie doesn't suck. I'm gonna go grab details. Cool. Stitch heads off. If only it would rain. This is the desert. The big sandbox. Keep wishing. I can't believe you don't smoke, Gaza. It's 99 degrees out here. Why do I need to smoke for? Don't know. Unwind. That's why I keep you and Stitch around. Really? That's just sad for you. <laughs> nah, limited options. <laughs> hey, about knocking you down. I'm I, fine. I'm sorry. I wouldn't play if I couldn't take it. My dad didn't teach me how to throw a ball, but moms did teach me some stuff. She was pretty damn serious when she taught me not to hit women. Moms is basically right all the time, so it goes against my childhood teachings, and I apologize. Why do you guys think I'm made of glass? Why are you making this so hard? Out here? I'm not a girl. I'm a Marine. Yes. Sergeant. So treat me like a goddamn Marine. Can you just let me apologize already? You did. All right, then. Your dad didn't teach you to play catch? No. Did yours? Yeah. And baseball. Not softball. But yeah, he did. So, who did teach you? I mean, you suck, but someone did. My Little League coach taught me to swing a bat. High school football coach taught me how to take a hit. Moms, she did the rest on her own. Sounds like she is a badass. She is. <laughs> Are you going to throw that? The ball moves to Vargas. My mom's not really... Dad did the sports. <laughs> Camping, that stuff. That's cool. Yeah, I always thought it was fucked up that mom didn't have a guy she could count on, you know? No doubt, she had her shit under control, kept me in line. But some asshole kid like me isn't always the best company. Yeah. If moms had been born a guy, 
Who knows what she'd be doing? Different times then, she says. Yeah, yeah. They keep watching the sunset. Very faint dripping begins. That camera? Yeah. But it gets scratched. All this sand, my lens would be fucked. That would suck. But the shots! <laughs> yeah, I know. But maybe some things are better if they just stay in your memory. Afghanistan begins fading away. Her world becomes nothing but dripping. Fear. Stitch? Vargas? Anyone? Sudden transition to Act 1, Scene 3. Back at the house that afternoon, Wendy and Harmony enter from the front door, returning from the shopping trip. Harmony sets down the shoes she lent to Mel. Well, that was the worst. Really, Harmony? She walked, Mom. She didn't even want to ride home with us. She got a call. Excuses. It was her friend from the Corps. It's a mile and a half away. <laughs> it sounds long to you. I jogged two miles down Primrose Avenue, Avenue to yoga. So she took the call. So what, Harmony? Leave it be. But she didn't pick a dress. Not even close. I rescheduled the appointment for tomorrow. It's not a big deal. She's going to find a dress. We just have to nudge her into motion, get her through this first weekend planning hurdle, and, you know, get a little momentum. Is that what that was? You weren't exactly easy when we were planning your wedding. At least I was invested. Focused. I was Terrifying! You made your sales girl cry. You told Jason that he could pick the cake. Then it was just the flavor. Mom. Then, no, he can choose the filling. And then you yelled at him for the filling that he chose. Lemon does not go with chocolate. You screamed at the caterer. You changed florists four times. And how many bands did you go through? I am just saying that you had your process. Melody is having hers. I don't know why you have to be so doom and gloom. I I'm cheerful. I'm, I'm rainbows and freaking unicorns. Right. I see your reels turning on. Maybe she'd go for something more traditional. Have you met Mel? She might. Well? It'll be a surprise. Great. I'm gonna go call the kids. Wendy heads upstairs and Harmony goes in the kitchen. Mel comes in, finishing a call, cigarette in hand. As she hits the open doorway, she rewinds just long enough to put out her cigarette and keep coming inside. She is relieved that none of her family is in the living room. I'm going to quit. Stitch, I'm quitting. Yeah, I know. Those things will kill me. Cut me some slack. If you knew what this trip was like, you'd buy me a carton of smokes. Hey, gotta go. There was something I wanted to check. You two, man. Later. Mel pops a piece of gum, then goes upstairs and retrieves the box she had found. She brings it downstairs and begins extracting items. The first few are photos and letters, then a delicate shawl wrapped in pa tissue paper. There is a small note card inside with it. Harmony enters. Where's mom? Upstairs harnessing her chi or something. What is that? It was under the sink in the upstairs bathroom. I think it was daddy's. Mel. It's a total grab bag. There's some cool old stuff from dad's service days. Mel tries to hand the pictures to Harmony, but she doesn't take them. Here. Harmony. Put it back. Wherever you found it, put it back. What? Why? Harmony snatches the pictures and starts shoving everything back in the box. You're gonna crush them! Put it back! Stop! Mom's upstairs, hurry! What's your problem? Get this out of here before she comes back down. A frenzy ensues as Harmony gets everything in the box and shoves it into Mel's confused arms. When Mel doesn't leave, Harmony snatches it back and finds a corner to hide the box. Can't you think of anyone but yourself? What? 
Mom's been good. Dad would have wanted her to have it. Don't do this to her. She doesn't need this dragging her back down. You weren't here. I would have come home if I could have. You didn't. Even if I had been here, you wouldn't have let me help. Of course I would have. I would have been in your way. I could have... We could have hired someone. Mom would never. Professional help. <sighs> we could have found a way. You keep saying we. Inaccurate, don't you think? Don't act like you're such a goddamn martyr. Mom's gonna hear you. <laughs> you want everyone to feel guilty for this. letting you run the show. She's happy. Dad's things belong She's to her. planning her daughter's wedding. If you won't give them to her, then I will. Harmony rushes Mel and knocks the box away, spilling the contents. Mel drops, drops to her knees to pick them up. The fuck, Harmony? Get rid of it. Mom would still be curled up on the bed in her robe where I found her if it wasn't for me. She's stronger than that. How would you know? I called the police when he started getting lost when he decided to walk to the store. I scheduled a locksmith to change, change all the locks. I scheduled doctors. I picked up his prescriptions. I watched Mom cry at the kitchen table when Daddy was upstairs yelling at us, asking why he was locked in the bedroom for someone to come let him out. Once he was gone, I pulled Mom out of bed and made her coffee. I talked her in, in the sh into the shower after four days. I had to convince Mom to let me clean out the closets and the drawers. I called up Mom's friends. I got her back into having a life. So that box of whatever it is doesn't need to be here. Not now. Then what? You're gonna keep her locked up too? I don't. Decide what she can handle and what she can't. I'm protecting her. It makes you look like the hero. Oh, good. Uh, do I need protecting too? Maybe you do. Uh, your poor little sister can't plan her wedding. Harmony, help me. You're having a great time picking out my dress for me. I'm surprised you hadn't bought it already when I flew in. Maybe if you pulled your head out of your ass. I guess I had to try it on first. I'm not the one who made a scene in the dress store. I did not. I was right there. I didn't like them. You couldn't smile or say thank you. And it was hardly a scene. You think you wouldn't, you didn't want to get married. <laughs> I bought you all those magazines. Don't I know it. This takes forethought and planning. I tried to tell you. Here's what you're going to do and here's how you're going to do it. As if you could do any of this by yourself. There it is. There's what? The harmony I know. Harmony the savior. Wendy enters wearing her wedding dress from years before. She stops in her tracks, unnoticed by her daughters as they are locked in battle. Some people need saving. Some people can't save themselves. Some people aren't capable of. Because I don't like playing dress up? Because you can't commit to anything. No, <laughs> no, you're right. You know what? I can just give you my credit card and you can work out the details. Pick a dress, flowers, cake, whatever. I really don't care. You should call Doug and coordinate with him. Here. Mel holds out her cell phone to Harmony. Take it. <laughs> Let me know what you two decide. Something slowly comes loose in Wendy as her daughters fight. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help you. I don't want your help. Well, you obviously need it. No, I don't. And who helps me? You don't want any help. Fuck off, Mel. And screw you for judging me. None of us are good enough for you. Sorry. Where were you when I needed help? Where were you for daddy? I was kind of busy being deployed. Bullshit. I couldn't exactly hop a cab from Afghanistan. There's protocol for that and you know it. You just decided that you didn't want to. We're not worth your trouble. Dripping sounds began and Mel starts hearing voices. My girls. You left us here. Daddy had a stroke and you left us here. Throw it. I shouldn't have expected anything from you. Go long. You leave the pieces for other people to pick up. You ain't got the arm. What you do. I couldn't be here. I couldn't. Wendy is downstairs. Making coffee. Someone else will fix it for you, right? Harmony will fix things. Go long! You can't even do the right thing when your father loses his mind. 
Harmony puts on her own brakes and tries to redirect the conversation, but it's too late. I'm trying to help you be normal, since you don't seem to know how. I wish I could fly with you. Well, I'm not, and it's about time you got over it. Come on, Garza. I'll get over it when you get over being a bitch. The dripping sound builds, new sounds, pleading, pain. You just don't know what to do if you can't pull everyone's strings and make them do a little dance for you. Little hands. How did you get Doug to propose? You know all about Between marriage. Between my palms. Or what? We have to go. And I have no idea about anything. Garza. I bet he has no idea what he's getting himself into. Garza. You have so much experience with wedding than I, weddings than I do. Who would hope so since you've done it twice already? Harmony and the dripping fall silent, but Mel is out of control now. But you know what? I don't want your help. I don't need your help. I don't want your advice or your spanks. And I don't want your fucking shoes. Mel takes the box of shoes and throws the box squarely at Harmony. What the fuck? Stop! Stop! Stop it! Mom, why can't you grow the hell up for one second? Why can't you act like sisters? What are you wearing? I had an idea for Melody. My little girl. No. Your little palms in mine. I know it's sort of... Do you remember? The fabric is still in good condition. All my girls. The lace? My girls. Oh, Mom. It still fits. Mel hears the dripping increase. You know what? I'm going home. Mel, if you don't want me to save your fiasco of a wedding, I'm gonna stay out of it. Don't blame me when it all turns to shit. And you can keep the shoes. You might need them someday. Harmony exits. Wendy and the house fade away. Dad. I wish I could fly with you. Make it stop. Dad. I wish. Dad. Sharp transition to Act 1, Scene 4. Stitch is relaxing outside at night playing solitaire. Vargas enters, geared up. A new camera hangs from a thick lanyard on his neck. Hey. Who's winning? You or you? That's not how the game works, dumbass. It's solitaire. Yeah. How does it work then? I don't expect you to understand the complexity of the timeless battle against oneself. Okay. Have fun playing with yourself. Vargas poses to show off the camera. Stitch doesn't look up. Well? What? Well? What? If you want something, just look up, dumbass. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> nice toy, Lance Corporal. Worth every penny. Gonna take it out on patrol. A little test run. Yeah? Just a patrol, I don't know. Just a little adventure for Beatrice to warm up on. Um. Don't. You named it? Beatrice is my mother's name. They named ships and cars. I'm just not even gonna... Let's play a real card game when I get back. <laughs> Blackjack? Can you count to 21? Vargas takes a swipe at Stitch, who dodges. <laughs> Mel enters, seeing the camera right away. Hey, you ordered it. Congrats, man. Pretty, isn't she? And now, he's gonna get Beatrice covered in sand on patrol. Oh. 650 bucks. Hell, why you gotta kill my buzz, Stitch? Shit. Vargas takes off the camera and hands it to Mel. I'll break it in on base. There's sand here too, but less, I guess. <laughs> You'd be pissed if you fucked it up on the first day. Exactly. Just make sure it gets back to my rack. The case is in my footlocker. Totally. Ugh, patrol time. Don't. We won't. We won't. <laughs> Later then. Later. Vargas exits. Stitch continues his card game. Hey. Hey. 
Mel sits. She examines the camera with interest before setting it carefully beside her. Nice out tonight. Yeah, one of the better ones. Can I ask you a personal question? No. Jeez. Yeah, sure. I don't have to. We'll go like this. You ask one, then I get one. Cool? Good. Ask away. Were you really engaged three times? I really only count two. Once I was 16. That doesn't count. Okay. What about the other two? What about them? Well, why didn't it work out? Sometimes it just doesn't. And that was two questions. My turn. What the hell are you doing here? Same as you. But you're a... Linguist? A girl. I thought you weren't like that about it. I'm not. I'm just saying... There aren't a lot of women here. You're smart. You could have done something else, right? I guess so. <laughs> then what are you doing here? My dad was in back in the day. The core? Yeah. He didn't talk about it a lot, but I found this thing. <laughs> it's before Christmas, and I must have been like nine or ten. I was home. My older sister was there, but that's pretty much the same as being alone in my house. So I decided to go hunting for presents, see if they had any hidden around the house yet. My mom would have beat my ass. <laughs> I wasn't planning on getting caught. <laughs> so I'm going through the closet and all the weird cubbies, and I found this bundle, like this big and soft, wrapped in tissue paper. <laughs> I opened the tissue, and there was this fabric of yellow and orange and pink, really smooth and soft, like water. And in the middle of it was a sealed letter with my mom's name on it and an old picture. He didn't see any crazy combat, but he traveled. He's in a uniform and in front of this amazing building. There's no date or place on it, but Italy, maybe? <laughs> he had this look on his face, like he'd won a prize or something. He looks strong and happy. I figured he found that in the core. Nice. My turn? Fair enough. Three engagements. <laughs> what happened with that? The last one was a bitch. Is that just because she broke it off? No, I broke it off because she's a bitch. <laughs> Jessie made herself out to be one thing, and she turned out to be something else. So I broke it off. She kept the ring. <laughs> what about the other one? Caroline. Caroline was great. She was the good one, you know? Maybe we were still young and all, but they say sometimes you just know. And with her, I knew. She'd go over to my house every Sunday afternoon and bake with my mom and my grandmother. <laughs> She'd put the icing into plastic sandwich bags, decorate the cookies with little swirls. I almost didn't want to eat them. <laughs> My ass got huge. <laughs> so why did that end? Was your Elvis playlist more than she could take? Nice. No. Car accident. Oh, I I'm sorry. 
long time ago. And Caroline is a good memory. Sounds it. How about yours? Military? Hell no. He's a book editor at a company that does children's books. Smart, huh? Yeah. We dated when we were younger. Then, you know, life happened and we did our separate things. He was at Berkeley. <laughs> and then I bumped into him at the summer barbecue back home and there it was. I kept telling him he should write his own book. Maybe he will, eventually. You don't talk about him much. I'm around a bunch of dudes all day. Yeah, but what's his name? Doug. Isn't this mm, too girl-talky? We all do it. Turns my stomach. I bet you good money that before he proposed, Doug was having some serious, hashing-it-out conversations with his buddies, too. He's not really a guy's guy. Doesn't matter. When big shit goes down, men, women, whatever, we all turn back into paranoid little kids who just need some backup. Glad I didn't do the asking. I should know. <laughs> <laughs> and he's cool with you being out here? I'm a terp. Not exactly in the direct line of fire. You know what I mean. Doug is, like, weirdly calm about everything. He says he knows that I know what I'm getting into. That's a pretty good sign. <laughs> I figure. I'm... Doug was a junior assistant something for the peewee football league under my dad when he was in high school. Some kid would get banged up on the field and he'd sit down with them cross-legged on the grass, not babying, but look them straight in the eye and be like, it hurts, but you're going to be okay. And I'm gonna stay right here with you until you're ready. He's like that. He somehow makes you feel safe enough and strong enough to keep doing whatever it is you wanna do. When's the wedding? Next fall. God, my family's gonna be a mess. They know, right? Oh yeah, my mom is a control freak, or was before my dad passed away. And Harmony is like a, the express ver espresso version of my mom. The planning is going to be a fucking nightmare. Mom is going to want to dress me in some awful Disney princess thing, ugh. Rather do your dress blues? I could. Like a dude? I could, mm, but no. What do you want it to be like? I don't know. I thought girls grew up dreaming about their weddings. Not this girl. What did you want? Want for what? Uh, when you eventually get married. You said you guys think about this shit too. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Outside. I thought about being in a bunch of trees. Back home we have banyan trees. They have long root vine things that hang down to the ground and make a tangle of that. And a breeze. Because you can plan that. I know. <laughs> and good cold beer. Mm. Sweaty bottles and cans. Kona Brewery for me and Shiner Bach for her. And all three girls were from Texas. Funny, huh? That's weird. And you? It's supposed to be about us. Me and Doug. So simple. So no 500-person reception? Hell no. Just us. Family, of course. Uh, I wish my dad were still here, but... I want friends to be there, but nothing too crazy. Vegetables wrapped in bacon. Yes! 
No, dates wrapped in bacon. Live music. DJs all suck. We'd like an outside thing, too. What are those uh, skinny trees with the white peely bark on the trunks? Uh, birch trees? Yeah, those. And a dress that I can feel like myself in. Stitch idly picks up the camera. He handles it like someone who knows cameras. It would have gotten ruined out there. Oh, yeah. Come on. Stitch begins to work the settings on the camera. What are you doing? We are going to be his first pictures. He's going to be pissed. Yup. <laughs> Do you know what you're doing? Stand there. Mel hops in front of the camera. A click and series of beeps. Stitch leaps into the frame beside Mel. Flash and whir. Mm, you didn't make it. Stitch resets. Beeps for longer. They pose. Flash and whir. One more. Reset. There is an explosion and shouting. Sirens go off. The sounds of men being woken up and springing into action. What the? Vargas! Another explosion. Mel and Stitch run towards the chaos. The camera flashes, capturing nothing. Blackout. End of Act One.
To scene one, a perfect sunset. Mel is watching it with Vargas at her side. He's a bit tussled. They have a half-empty bottle of whiskey that Vargas takes a swig of before handing it to Mel. They're both happily wasted and drink casually throughout. Mel has a photograph in her hand. You two are such dicks. I told you not to touch my camera. You left it right there. I thought you would appreciate a good piece of equipment when you saw it. <laughs> I did. It's a great camera. I know. <laughs> Yeah. That's why I didn't want you assholes touching it. <laughs> this shot sucks. I love this picture. It's a selfie. Uh, yeah? You took a selfie with a $700 camera. $649.99. Yeah. Are you okay? That's a stupid question, Sergeant. Marcus, what? Faintly, a knock on a door. <laughs> You're being totally weird. You're missing it, you know? What are you blabbing about? You're missing everything. Vargas. Just get your head out of the sand and throw the ball. You're freaking me out. Sorry. I can't help it. I'm dead. Fuck you. Yep. Another knock on a door. <laughs> no. Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm dead. Then how? You're drunk. You tell me. The door opens and Harmony enters, jerking Mel back into reality. It's late evening in the living room. Her mother's wedding dress is draped over a chair. Her father's box is on the table. She is still holding the bottle of whiskey in the photo, which she quickly pockets. There's a standoff of sorts, Mel figuring out what just happened. Then... I'll get Dad's stuff out of there. Mom shouldn't have to. Yeah. Can I come in? It's not my house. It was. Well, can I? Mel gestures yes. Harmony takes only a few steps in. It's late. You drink alone? So? Jesus, I wish you'd cut me a fucking break. <sighs> That's diplomatic. Mel drinks. Harmony goes to the box and moves it in a more prominent place. She then wanders over to the dress. I'm not wearing it. You must be thinking about it. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> okay. She was actually being serious. It's nice of her to offer. It's a choice. I doubt the whole retro thing is your vibe. Um, no. Mel offers the bottle to Harmony. I don't really do whiskey. Suit yourself. Harmony stalls, then takes the bottle. She sips. Why is planning a wedding like passing an act of Congress? <laughs> Probably for the same reasons. One, everyone has an opinion. Two, everyone thinks they're right. Three, no one is willing to compromise. Maybe I should just wear mom's dress to shut everyone up. You'd hate it. Yeah. So you do care? Of course I do. If I didn't know for a fact that Delg wanted an actual wedding, <laughs> I'd, I'd tell him we should march straight to, over to the courthouse. Done. That's just not Doug. He gets excited when he talks about the cake. All men get excited about cake. Priorities. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> exactly. Just aren't there better things to worry about? This burns. It's whiskey. There are better tasting drinks. It's not about to be sipped. I, I was not about to be sipping boxed wine with the guys on leave. True. 
there's this family that I'd visit when I was deployed. They had two little boys and I'd buy smokes for my buddies off them. I'd kill my kids if I caught them. <laughs> these, these kids are lucky if they have parents. Out there, it's perfectly normal. I'd go and I'd bring them whatever junk I could collect, candy, soda, whatever, and give it to them. Their mom made me this dark cinnamony tea and this great bread. I'd get smokes. You don't smoke. I didn't. Don't. Then why? They're like cash over there. They had this uh, little goat, <laughs> a little scraggly gray and brown little thing. <laughs> so ugly, it was cute. Their, their kids were going hungry all the time, but they wouldn't kill the goat. I, I didn't get it. They're hungry and they have goat meat, but they won't eat it. Then they explained it. They used the goat for milk, so if they killed her, they'd have meat for a little while, but then they'd be out of meat and milk, and then where would they be? Not eating cheeseburgers. I'm being serious. I get it. I'm a little buzzed. <laughs> I thought you had a point. Point is, there's just bigger shit to worry about than this. That is my point. Why does the fact that I have an obsessed over fashion make me a bad person? So, why do I even get that look? From mom, from you, from every woman in the dress shop? It's like I'm programmed wrong. Shun the outsider. So yes, we should all be more globally conscious and less like, hashtag first world problems. I'm serious. I know you are, I know. You're buzzed. This is strong. <laughs> How buzzed? Shut up. <laughs> Drunk? Shut up! <laughs> You're such a cheap date. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've seen you drunk? Never! That's so many times. Never. Your sister, the prude. My perfect big sister. And how do I do with making people think I'm perfect? Pretty good, I bet. I drink. I just don't get, you know. Once, I did see you. No, you didn't. <laughs> I got up in the night to use the bathroom you hadn't had your license that long, and you came in really late. Mom and Dad didn't even bother to wait up for you to, because, well, you're you. <laughs> you came through the door and got into a fight with the coffee table. <laughs> Mel flails an imitation of Young Harmony falling into the coffee table. I didn't drive that night. I fell flat on your face. <laughs> you rolled over and checked that you hadn't damaged yourself. Then, you laughed. <laughs> And when you realized that every, anyone was awake in the house would hear you, you put your hands over your mouth and kept on laughing. <laughs> uh, I wanted to be old enough and go to parties with boys and drink. And laugh. Like you were. <laughs> like nothing mattered. I barely remember that night. I mean, I remember it. <laughs> you were drunk. <laughs> yeah. One of my friends from work gave me a ride home. That's how they talked me into going to the party. <laughs> when did you stop laughing? I never started. That wasn't real. I wasn't laughing, I was drunk. Why, why do we do that? We, we don't laugh in this house. Daddy did. You were too small to remember a bit. I was daddy's little girl. You worried about me. You fussed over me. I played with you. He coached me. He'd let you get dirty. He'd let you run and jump and fall and get scraped up. And he laughed with you. Do you remember? 
Harmony goes in the kitchen and quickly returns with a pair of lowball glasses with ice. If we're gonna do this... I know you were deployed in the Middle East. Afghanistan, Helmand province. Okay, but I'm not really sure about what you did over there. I'm a translator. I know, but what did you do? Why don't you say anything? So it is. What is? I don't know. It's not a rule, but... We're not supposed to talk about it. Sounds like a rule. It's... The guys that come home with tales of glory are usually full of shit. If you were actually a part of anything, you don't go broadcasting it. Things that happen over there should stay over there. So they don't fuck things up when you come home. Is it working? It's the right way. You should appreciate doing things the right way. Harmony picks up one of their father's letters and skims it. He clearly wasn't lucid anymore. Today might not be now, and I know. I know this is my house, and this is my room, and this is my hand. Hands in the sand. This barely makes sense. But they're his. You want to relive all that? It wasn't all bad. Sometimes he was still himself. You left before he was gone. All the way gone. You haven't been home in almost two years. Eighteen months. You missed the worst of it. He stopped being himself. Hurt mom a few times because he thought he was... He thought she was holding him hostage. Never on purpose. Daddy never meant to. He was just afraid. Mel reads part of the letter. Wendy's downstairs making coffee. Decaf. I don't know why she bothers. Decaf with half and half and too much sugar. Does my Wendy ever want to fly out the window? Sweet like her and my girls. My girls in my house. One like sugar and spice is everything nice. One is like me. He had good days. He'd call me into the room and I'd sit on the edge of the bed next to him. And he'd take my hand between his big palms, just like when we were little. Daddy's hands were so big. Yeah. Daddy would start telling me about the Snow Queen or the Velveteen Rabbit. <laughs> he had them all memorized. I could sit and listen to him forever. He'd ask me if I want to hear another one tomorrow. And I'd say, yes, of course, Daddy. <laughs> and then he'd say, I love you, Melody. I tried to tell him, Daddy, I'm Harmony. But then he'd get confused and panicked, so finally I just agreed with him. He said, I love you, Melody. Harmony takes the letter from Mel and continues reading it. My hands and Wendy's hands and their hands. Holding hands. Why is there laughing? Can we all fly out the window? Quietly, they both drink. After a moment, Mel's attention drifts back to her mother's dress. I'm gonna say something crazy. I wanna try it on. Okay. <laughs> You're screwing with me. Do it. I'm gonna, no pictures, this is a covert op. Oh yeah. Mel scoops up the dress and ducks into the kitchen. Harmony paces the living room while Mel changes. You good in there? Yep. This is great. I think. It's like time travel. Mama's gonna go crazy if she finds out you put that thing on and she wasn't here to see it. Mel walks out in the dress. It's awful. Mostly because she's clearly uncomfortable in it. How bad is it? Be brutally honest. You look like someone shoved a porcupine up your ass. <laughs> I feel like it. <laughs> the horror. Mel takes up her drink. 
<laughs> Wait up. Harmony goes for her cell phone. This is not ending up on the Facebook. Twitter? No! Wanna bet? Oh my god, if Doug, Doug ever saw this. Mel is chasing Harmony around the living room, holding her drink aloft. You're gonna spill. The camera. Hell no. I will murder all the parts of you. I give, I give. But you should have a copy of this, and Doug wouldn't want to miss it. What? Doug, he's missing this. Come on, give me your phone. Uh, okay. <laughs> Mel gives Harmony her cell phone and strikes a pose for the camera. Can I get out of this now? Please. <laughs> Mel exits back into the kitchen. Harmony slumps back on the couch and checks out the picture on Mel's phone. A shattering sound and Harmony perks up. A moment later, Mel emerges with the dress in her hands. There is a wet stain down the skirt. Oh, Mel. What do we do? Is there club soda? I don't know. Stay there. Try and hold up that layer. Harmony runs into the kitchen. Mel tries to lift the damp section up. Mom is gonna kill me. It's her wedding dress. Harmony returns with a towel and club soda and goes to work on the stain. Mel breaks into a panic, but stays in place. It's not working. Give me a minute. I ruined it, I ruined it. Dripping begins. Vargas steps out of nowhere and only Mel can see him. It was an accident. Good job. <laughs> you tried. Where's my camera when I need it? Shit. Professional cleaner can get it out. What are you doing, Garza? I'll take it in tomorrow. The dripping increases and Mel begins to panic. A distant explosion and a dark swirl of voices. I'll take it in tomorrow. Does my Andy ever want to fly? Go long, Garza. My girl's in my house. Go on, Sergeant. Sugar and spice. Have another drink. Sugar and sand. Come on. Both scratchy. Mel. Can we all fly out the window? We've got to go. Now. Little hands. Melody. Between my palms. We have to move. Garza! Harmony has finally cut through and she comes back to the present, though the specter of Vargas lingers. Harmony refills the remaining glass and gives it to Mel. Harmony sips from the bottle. Are you okay? Mel looks at Vargas. I could... Uh, I'm your sister. We can talk if you want. We don't talk about it. All right. You need to go? No. The kids were already getting to bed. I can call the house. You should at least send that picture to Doug. Mel takes up the phone, but her hands are still shaky. Can you send it? Sure. Harmony sends out the text and places Mel's cell phone down on the table between them. They drink. They set down the bottle and Vargas picks it up. Mel rises, leaving Harmony in the living room. Mel follows Vargas as he leads her idly back into her memory. Act two, scene two, night. Stitch deals out a hand of solitaire. He is not okay. He looks up at the sky and stops. He throws down the deck and gets up pacing. He regathers the cards and starts shuffling and redealing the game. Mel comes out and sits quietly beside him. Wait, no. What? You missed. Oh. He relocates the misplaced card. Thanks. He plays for a bit. You're back. Yeah, I'm back. I can redeal. Poker? No, I'm cool. Okay. Stitch stops playing cards and looks at her. You can ask if you want. Whatever I do when I'm on, whatever you do when you're on, you do what you need to do, right? Right. You... It's better this way. Take the orders. Follow them. We are cogs in the patriotism machine. I wanted to be able to say I didn't want to be there. Cogs. Brainless leathernecks. No emotions. You want to be the one to decide who we point our M16s at? Who we blow up? You want that heat? That's not what I'm saying. Then what? 
I want to be able to say, I can't do this. It's the chain of command. You didn't decide, so it's not on you. Yeah, but I didn't do anything to fix it. I made it worse. I wish I had a shot. Tequila? Lime. <laughs> no lime. Hell yeah. You have a tougher stomach than me. One bad experience. That's all it takes. Stitch takes out his camel pack. Come on. Mel follows suit. Stitch holds his water up. We'll do this right when we're back in the States. Yeah. Lance Corporal James Vargas. For Vargas. Stitch and Mel pour out a portion of their water on the ground. They both drink. What happens now? Vargas is dead? What really happens to us next? It's war. Some of us weren't going to make it back home. Wasn't that part of what we agreed to when we enlisted? This is a goddamn support unit. We're supposed to drive your ass from place to place. I didn't agree to have myself blown up, and I'm pretty sure Vargas didn't sign up for that either. Why doesn't it ever cool off here? Can I have a cigarette? You don't. You sure? Yeah. Stitch retrieves a cigarette from his pack and lights it for Mel. Those will kill you. They smoke a moment. We're lucky that he was the only one. I'm supposed to be glad to be here? We're lucky that it wasn't us. But it could have been us. It was one of us. Isn't Vargas one of us? Was. What did you say, Sergeant? He's... He's not one of us anymore. Vargas will always be one of us. She has physically grabbed him. Mel processes and then releases him. Stitch turns back to his card game. We can start a new card game. No. Are you still going back to the world? Aren't you supposed to go back home in, like, a few weeks? Yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to rotate out. You're getting married. I can't think about... They just sent me in there and they made me... I did my job. I wish I could go home. Just for a while. Not like I want out of the core, but... If I could step away long enough to take a breath. I can't get any oxygen in my lungs. It's all dust. Yeah. I can't breathe. It's hot. Mel pours out some of her water, drop by drop. Garza. His goddamn camera. Six forty-nine ninety-nine. Remember? Beatrice? Yeah. What now? Well, you've got rotation. Take it. Just go and... Get married? If that's what you want, yeah. Get married. Be happy. Right now. I can't just do that. What kind of person does that? And I haven't seen my family since my dad. So I go and then what? Hi, I'm back. And dad's dead. And Vargas is dead. And more of my friends could be dying right now. But let's try on dresses. That is fucked. Don't let it pass you by. I can put off the wedding. A lot of things are still not locked down. I can change the date. Shit, Garza. It's not that big of a deal. I'll delay my leave. We'll play poker. Blackjack instead of solitaire. And you'll let your guy play solitaire. He has people. I have people. Even without you. Without Vargas. I have people. 24-7 Elvis keeps them away. I'll turn it off and find people to play with until I get my turn to go home. Your guy? He wants you. I don't think I can go. Take your turn while you have it. Stitch. Pick out your spot. With that tree you want. Birch. Birch. With the white, narrow trunks. Bacon-wrapped dates. Yeah. 
Shinerbach. Oh, that would taste so good right now. Damn. It's too hot. It doesn't even cool off in the dark. Yeah. Stitch scoops up his playing cards and turns to leave. What are we- Shut up. Just take this and shut up. Stitch pulls out the photo Mel had at the start of Act 2. She recognized it as the photo they took the day Vargas died. I had it printed. I, I thought- We I, played with his camera. We abso-fucking-lutely did. <laughs> take it with you. No. Go. And take it with you. He presses Mel's hand closed around it. Whatever it was. Whatever you did in that room with that... Just leave it there. Get on that plane. Don't think about it or talk about it ever again. Just leave it in the hot fucking desert. Stitch leaves. Mel is left looking up at the sky. The dripping sounds build and surround her. End of scene. Act 2, scene 3. Mel comes out of the memory at home. Her mother's dress is draped over a chair, still stained. Wendy sits nearby, reading the letters with wet eyes. Mom, Harmony spent the night. Uh, yeah. I found her here when I got home from yoga. She says she'll be back with breakfast. Uh... You two were up late. You don't usually hang out like that. I... It's funny. Wendy looks at the dress. It's my fault. I'll have it cleaned. It was me, so I'll take care of it. Why didn't Harmony... She wouldn't know where to go. I can figure it out. Well, she... I... I've got it. Sorry to be so disappointing. I didn't say that. God. You know they gave me a gun? Huh? Oh, yeah. Lots of them, actually. Handguns, rifles, semi-automatic. And I thought Harmony was the one who thinks I'm incompetent. I don't... <laughs> I don't think that. You assume. You are just like your father. You think you know what we think and just react. Your father and I didn't fight very often, but when we did, it was over nothing. He would hear something the way he wanted to hear it instead of how I meant it, and all hell would break loose. You're both so quick to panic. Yeah. You should shower for the dress appointment. I'll be fine. You don't realize how important that dress is going to be. You and Harmony freak out over everything. You can't see it yet. And see what, Mom? Wendy can't quite make the words she wants and goes a different way. Mel, I hope that you and Doug are married for a very long time. And I hope he loses you instead of the other way around. But if not, then... Maybe you'll know me better. Mom. Where did you find these? The bathroom cabinets. We moved him into that bedroom. When it wasn't safe for him to be with me anymore because he'd wake up in the morning disoriented and angry. He was constantly stashing things away in strange places. Socks. His glasses. Keys. And looking for things he hasn't had in years. His dress blues. I mean, we have those folded up somewhere. Mom, I can take this all out of here. I don't want to see it. And I don't want to let it go. You already did. Harmony says you've been doing so well. Yes. I have. But you don't let go. We had too many years left. I've never let him go. 
Don't you have to? Have you? I don't think you have. I did what he wanted. I enlisted because of him. And the last time I was home, he told me to stay away. His eyes were clear and he knew me. He told me to stay away, so I did. Mom, I'm sorry. Please take my dress to be cleaned. I'd like to keep it. I will. I'm going to shower. You should too. Wendy heads to her bedroom, and after a moment, Mel heads into the bathroom. Harmony returns to the house and lets herself in, putting coffees and fruit cups on the coffee table. She goes to the box, and among the contents we haven't seen yet is an old football. She sets it on the table and continues. Act 2, Scene 4. Mel has the water running to fill the tub. She closes the curtain and tries to calm herself until the tub is full. She can't quite calm herself, and she turns the water back off, throwing the curtain closed again in frustration. The dripping sound begins again. Nearby, Mel hears coughing and choking. <coughs> a struggle. A commanding officer speaks in her memory. Are you trying to contradict me, Sergeant? No, sir. We've got a spotter to take care of. We picked him up hauling ass through the sand after the blast. I thought you were gung-ho. I am, sir. Then what is your damage, Garza? Lance Corporal Vargas, sir. It's a conflict of interest. I was out there yesterday, and I saw what the explosion did to the Humvee. We all saw. I saw what it did to Vargas. I'm, I'm a terp, not an interrogator. I can't interrogate. I'm not trained. I, I can't. Why are you still talking, Garza? More coffee. <laughs> From inside the shower. This hot just killed Americans, killed Marines. Dripping becomes the sounds of someone being waterboarded. Coughing and gasping between the breaks and the water sounds. He killed our guys, Garza. Get the hell in there and find out what this guy knows. Captain, please. Mel is shoved into the interrogation room and falls to the ground. A door slams behind her. The rest of the bathroom vanishes into space. Only the shower remains. Mel slowly moves toward the sounds and she opens the shower curtain to reveal a prisoner. Mel backs away. His hands are zip-tied at the wrists and a hood is over his head. The hood and upper part of his clothing are soaked. The prisoner coughs up water and then appears to float out of the shower. The shower fades away, leaving her in a dark, cavernous place with periodic dripping that echoes. The prisoner begins to speak in Farsi. Please, help me. His words sound like begging, but his body is steady and upright. My wrist hurt. These are too tight. Mel paces slowly. Prisoner holds up his wrists and kneels. I can feel my fingers. A speaker pops on. Sergeant Garza, stop dicking around and get him talking. Sir, I... That's an order, Garza. I can hear you breathing. We picked you up right after the attack on our patrol vehicle. Please, help me. What was your mission? It was an IED. They found a cell phone on you. Help me. Was that the trigger? Who assigned the target? Who gave the order? I hear you. Answer me. Who gave you the order? I hear you. Who gave you the order? Who, shithead? Prisoner tries to get to his feet. Mel pushes him back. Stay down! So damn hot. I hear you. The dripping intensifies slowly and steadily. We know you were there. You were there in Vargas. You did that to Vargas. I did nothing. We know you were there. You killed him. He's... I was nowhere. Don't lie to me, you murderer. I was nowhere. Stop lying, you... Fucking hashing! I did nothing! You should... I should blow your fucking brains out! Nothing! Shut up! Mel full force punches the prisoner in the face. 
He falls over in obvious pain. She's about to go at him again out of control when she is grasped by an invisible force and is pulled away from the prisoner and falls to the ground. She regroups, terrified. Fuck me. Something in the tone of the room starts to change. Did you... Did you kill Vargas? <laughs> shit. What if you didn't, I... Shit, 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 shit. I hear you. What? I hear you. The English words cut into her. How the hell? I hear your words. No. No, you don't. All your words. Stop. Shit. I hear who you are. Stop. I know what you are. I know who you are. The hood slides from the prisoner's face to reveal Vargas beneath. Fuck. I know. I'm losing my mind. You know I'm not really here, right? I got sent home, and they had me buried proper. But you... What? You know your dad played football when he was deployed, too? <laughs> Remember when I knocked you down? Yeah. Where's that tough girl I knew in Hamlin Province? I'm... We're all so fucked up. Some of us more than others. <laughs> you talk to Stitch? He drinks. We all drink. He drinks and then loads up his pistol. He took his jeep to Rogue River Forest outside Medford. He still has that ring he gave Caroline. The good one. He can't forget her either. He got wasted. Dropped that little sapphire into a handle of vodka. He perched it up on a tree stump and shot it up. Then he pushed the barrel under his chin. Vargas grabs Mel under the chin. He left the burn mark from the hot barrel right here. A red hot circle. You're hurting me. Vargas lets her go. Stitch went back the next day. He couldn't find that ring. How much money has that dickhead spent on engagement rings? Look at you. You're shaking. I'm cold. Gonna do anything, Mel? Gonna get up? You made of glass? No. Gonna stay curled up all wet and pathetic like a pogue? Or are you gonna get up and fight? I can't. You think you can't. I know. But that has never stopped you before. Vargas, I'm a mess. I'm a disaster and I can't... Fucking do it anyway. I can't think. Get up and grab the ball. My insides are melting. Come on, Garza. Everything is dripping down the walls in my head. I hear who you are. I know who you are. I know what you are. Hey, my Vargas. You are a Marine. You knocked my ass in the sand. I don't know anymore. Yes, you do. Help, please help me. You have to decide. Decide to get up. Vargas offers her his hand. Mel takes it and stands. Fucking go long. End of scene. Act two, scene five. Back in the living room, Harmony has emptied the box and is sorting it on the coffee table. Wendy enters, showered and dressed. Your sister's in the shower. Thank you for the coffee. Yeah. Cantaloupe, too. Harmony sees the dress. Mom, we were... This wasn't the dress I wanted. My mother was paying for it, and... Uh, but your father loved it. I'm not sure why. These sleeves, <laughs> he was poking at them and then fluffing them back up again, and he would laugh. He'd laugh so hard, and then the swishing sound from the skirt. He'd grab it, and he'd laugh. And he'd smile. Wendy goes in the kitchen. 
Harmony continues to sort. She is pulling out a framed set of old medals when Mel comes back into the room. You're back quick. Look at these. Mel takes the medals. What are they for? Wendy re-enters with a fork for the fruit. There's no way Dad wanted all of this thrown out. This is a Vietnam service medal, and this is expeditionary metal. <laughs> what am I going to do with them? These should be up in the house, right, Mel? I don't know why Dad would, uh, didn't put them up before. They should be on the wall. Mom, these are special. There's all this other stuff, too. Mel sees the football and picks it up. We have to get to Melody's appointment. Don't want to be late? We won't be. Hey, if you don't want them, I'll take, the, I'll take Dad's medals. I'd like to put them up. Doug would think they're really cool. He wants me to put my things up from Afghanistan. They can go with Dad's. Mom, is that okay? And we have to get my dress cleaned. We know. Mom, can Mel take these? No. What? I didn't know what was in there, and uh, if you girls hadn't ruined my dress... I'm having it cleaned. The stain is setting in more and more every minute. Mom! It's never coming out! Forget the stupid dress! All we've talked about for two days is wedding dresses! Okay, Mel, relax. Take the medals, or whatever else is in there. I want this dress. I wore this with him. Harmony says it'll come out. It's the thing I have. Your dress matters, Mel. Everything changes and you lose things that you'd have, you thought you'd have forever. And everything about that one day will be in that dress. It might be the thing you have left. They're all quiet for a moment. Mel sees a smallish bundle wrapped in tissue, the bundle she found years ago as a child. It's for Mom. Mel hands it to Wendy, who opens the note and then looks to the photograph. It was for me from your father, from Paris. Dad was in Paris? He was all over Europe. Wendy hands Harmony and Mel the photo, and Mel remembers it. It's really nice, Mom. Wendy reads silently, then aloud to her daughters. You said you'd always wanted to see Paris, so I'm sorry you're not here with me, but... A, a tiny French, French woman was selling, selling these at the outdoor market, market and, and I, I told, told her about, about you. you. So you've been here in a way. I remember this. He came back. He said he'd gotten me a gift when he was in France, and he'd misplaced it. I told him it didn't matter. I have nowhere to wear it. Wendy has a precious moment with the scarf. When she's done, she folds it nicely and sets it aside. We need to get going. Is it going to be better this time? This dress situation? How do I know? It's your dress. It's not. It's everyone else's dress. There's this image of this bride I'm supposed to be, or this girl I'm supposed to be. Every choice I bake. I, every choice is based on what someone else thinks I should do. And all I can think of about is... This seems so frivolous. Well, what are we supposed to do with you? Let you walk down the aisle naked? Sure. <laughs> that's what I wanted to, If that's what I wanted. We won't just let you flounder. Tell me what you want. I'll do whatever I can to make it happen. But you need to tell us. Wendy sits close to Mel. Slowly, Vargas appears out of nowhere. For the first time, his appearance brings Mel comfort. Are you coming to this appointment today? Are you actually coming? You have to be there and participate in your own wedding. To want to participate and to make choices about this. Your dress. Your future. Mel looks to Vargas and they lock eyes. 
Go along. I'm not wearing your dress. That's a start. But I'll go. I have to wear something. I have an idea. A better idea. Wendy holds up the shawl. I think you should wear it on your wedding day. It's unconventional. You're unconventional, and it's from your father. Dad can't walk me down the aisle, so... Yeah. <laughs> so, whatever dress I choose is going to have to go with this. Okay? I'll need your help with that. You know I'm not good at it. Well, nothing too busy then. It's not white. You okay with that, Mom? I think that will be beautiful. Okay. Mel starts folding the shawl back up and setting it carefully aside. She scoops up the football. I have to get going if I'm going to take Mom's dress into the cleaner before the appointment. Yeah. Then come with me. We'll get donuts. You can't eat that right now. Why not? You're fitting. <laughs> I can eat whatever I want. I have spanks. <laughs> Relax, Harmony. <laughs> Mel lobs the football to Harmony, who catches it awkwardly. Come on. We'll turn on the radio, or... We can talk. We can? Yeah. Why don't I take in the dress? I'll meet you at the appointment. You sure, Mom? Glad to do it, really. I'll start the AC. Mel, see you in the car? Yeah. Harmony nods and goes to her car. Wendy picks the scarf back up and offers it to Mel. Won't you be late? We have time. You'll want to see this with the dress. <laughs> Doesn't white go with everything? Still. Wendy holds the scarf open. She starts to wrap it around Mel, who flinches. You should feel what it's like. To what? Wendy wraps the scarf around Mel and pulls her hair loose on her shoulders. Feel what it's like. Just to feel it. End of play. Changing a curve and wide like a staircase to climb. I'm aging like the sweetest wine, swilling minutes of time. I am here, 
just wasted waiting I've decided life is for the taking excuse me while I watch the clouds forget myself and laugh out loud at days as spending crippling fear of failing in human years I am here God I am Sage, but I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here in human years. I am here, God. I am here in human years. I'm afraid of my age. I go gray. Sage, but in spite of it all, I'm a tree, I stand tall, and I'm here. I am here. I am here. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you. Um, and thank you so much, Hope for that beautiful play. Thank you so much for having me. Um, what inspired you to write this story? Uh, well, actually it started as a bit of a, a challenge because I tend to write fairly serious pieces. And a friend said, you should write a comedy. And I was like, fine. And I started out with the scene of the mom coming down the stairs in the wedding dress which used to be a comedic moment once upon a time. <laughs> um, and then I was just like, eh, this, the play doesn't flow and I don't really get these characters. It was, it was funny and there were jokes and uh, it was funny, but it was just not working. And then he was like, screw it, just write the play that wants to be there. Um, and that's, it evolved into a drama uh, as it, I am wont to do. <laughs> what, um, did you learn anything from that experience trying to write in one genre and then going back into would you say your like uh your strength writing dramas um i th i think it was just to not fight the flow mm. um it's a good exercise certainly to write outside of your comfort zone and i think a lot of the little kind of sarcastic funny jokes have hung around and they're still in there and thank god for them otherwise this would be a really depressing play <laughs> um but i think ultimately it's take the exercise learn from it but then let the play be what it wants to be yeah. or it'll never be organic yeah i i as a playwright myself i've set out to write comedies before and i've never written a comedy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah. I it's hard it's hard to yeah. write a comedy yeah, yeah funny people are very skilled <laughs> yes, they are <laughs> um just this this question just came to mind. Why name your play The Veils? Uh, it's a reference to a couple things. Um, it's a reference indirectly to something we don't see, which is the uh, women in the Middle East having to wear veils for religious reasons. Um, it's a reference to the wedding veil, uh, mm. more obviously to the wedding veil of the wedding dress she's picking out. Um, and then sort of allegorically, I guess, uh, 
the veils that we layer upon ourselves to protect ourselves, which right. is what Mel is doing in this story. She's just put up all of these walls to the point at which she can't move anymore. Wow. Well, that clarifies things <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Uh, <laughs> is she, at the end of the play, is she still in a position where she feels like she can't move? I feel like... I, f I think, at least I hope, that at the end of the play, uh, she's taking the first step. Mm -hmm. She's not magically going to be better. She's not suddenly going to be okay with everything that happened to her. Mm -hmm. But by making the choice to, I'm going to move forward, I'm going to talk to my sister, you know, even if that conversation is the stupid story about the goat, you know, like that's a tiny, tiny thing, but that's the first step that will let her tell the next story and the next story and hopefully get better in the long run. Right. Um, so, it's December. It's been a, a few weeks since a so-called incident <laughs> happened. Uh, so-called incident. It's been, been rough. It's been it happened. I, I can't Something happened. Uh, so, um... So, like, we're friends on Facebook, so I yeah. see the things that you post, and she's a great, like, person um, to follow, because she, she thinks about things holistically. It's, it's really, really great and refreshing um, to read on my timeline. So I was just wondering, um, does, you've been working on this play for a while. Yeah. Does the play now hold a different significance post-election? Oh, I... I think this is going to hold true for a lot of artists. I know, you know being based in DC, like a week after the election, exactly. one of the bigger theaters held like a, a bunch of playwrights wrote, like overnight wrote, you know, minute long, five minute long plays. Mm -hmm. We did a bunch of readings and then we all just like stayed and talked. And there was another one that I couldn't go to that was just this week. Um, so there's kind of all these conversations about, we know we're all upset or hurt or disappointed or scared, you know, the gamut of things. But what do we do with that? And I think the broad consensus has been to keep making what we make because obviously trying to rationalize with people on, our, on the opposite side doesn't seem to help because everyone just gets worked up and more entrenched in whatever doctrine on both sides, this is true. Right, you know, that right. you just end up butting heads, but that perhaps the solution is to keep telling the stories because when we can connect to the other side of the argument as a human being, that then we're tapping into the emotion and the emotional truth of a person instead of the logic and laws and this should be this and the you know, rules and the walls we set up in our heads. And maybe that's the first step in learning and crossing over so that we can come to some kind of understanding with each other. Right. So then that leads me to another question is how, um, like what do you think of about the future of stories like this during a Trump administration, during the next four years, Ooh. stories about you know women in the military, um, PTSD, um, yeah. you know, becoming open. Yeah, I, I, from what I understand, one of the people I don't know if they were actually picked. Maybe you guys do. That they appointed for the head of the VA has absolutely no military experience at all. Mm -hmm. And that's a little horrifying. The VA had, you know, its own problems that it was trying to work through prior to this that were already going to be a huge obstacle. And we put someone in charge 
who has no experience with military people. So I, that concerns me yeah. um, that, you know, how are they going, how well are they going to sympathize with the people who are struggling and coming back from overseas and dealing with that. Um, so I sure hope that appointment changes or they yeah. get replaced with someone who at least, or that they have great, or that they have great advisors and listen. Because to be in charge, you don't necessarily need to know everything yourself, but if they, you know, create a great pool of advisors that really know, you know, maybe we'll still move forward. Yeah, we've seen what happens when people don't know things. Yeah, yeah. You must not be named. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so, I guess like one one thing I I I want to ask. Maybe I I might want to ask this with the future playwrights. I don't know. Um, I guess like this. I, I really believe in theater because of the moments of like truth and honesty um, that we can, you know, give to people on a stage. So, you know, this is your play and this is, you know, really your episode. Um, so I, I want to give you like a platform for a minute. So like if, if uh, Trump were here. <laughs> in, 60 seconds, what would you say to Trump? We don't get raided by the FCC. <laughs> you can curse oh if you want. Um, I think I would want to ask him to just see the humans. Like, see, you know, not the, the groups. You know, don't see... Black Lives Matters, or see the KKK, or see, you know, the corporate CEOs, but like see the humans that are underneath that, because you know what, that big old company is gonna keep on making money, or maybe it'll fold, but the company is not people. It's the humans underneath the group that I think are really what matters, and I would want to tell him to look past the labels to the humans. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, finally a pretty easy question that we do ask everyone is what did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, I was on my way to rehearsal at ungodly o'clock in the morning and I had a chai latte and half of a bacon gouda breakfast sandwich from Starbucks. <gasps> Those are the best. <laughs> <laughs> Product placement. Product placement. Product yeah, placement. let's call Sorry. Starbucks. Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> or just 3,000... Feeding stage managers everywhere. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, well thank, thank you, Hope. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> thank you for your energy and your time, and thank you for your play. Guys, you can, you can clap. Woo! And we'd like to thank uh, the director of this evening's performance, Megan Bem, who also read the Woo! stage directions. Um, and our musical guest, uh, Allison Strong. Thank you so much for being here. Um, and Allison has been accompanied tonight by Andy Roninson. Um, so thank you so much, Andy. We'd like to thank Cloud City for hosting us every month. Yeah, thank you. Um, we'd like to thank our audio engineer, Katie Donnelly. Thank yeah. You.
course, we'd like to thank our wonderful cast. Thank you so much for your time and energy um, that you've put in um, this week and uh, for this reading. We truly can't do it without you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, last but not least, we love to thank our audience. Thank you for joining us for another evening. Thank you for our subscribers who listen, um, who can't always make it. Um, thank you guys. Uh, you're one of the reasons why we keep coming back every month to do this. Um, so thank you all and have a great night. Thank you. Woo! So this is Christmas, <laughs> what have you done? Another year over, and a new one just begun. And so this is Christmas, we hope you have fun. The near and the dear ones, the old and young a very merry Christmas and a happy new year let's hope it's a good one without any fear so this is Christmas black and four the yellow and red ones let's stop all the fight so this is Christmas weekend for strong for the rich and the poor ones the road is so
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.